I'm back. Happy Wednesday if you are listening to this live. We are going to be talking about co-regulation and self-regulation. What the F is that? <laughs> um, so you guys know that, um, well, listen, let's, let's, let me do a little intro. Let me do a little hellos or ask some housekeeping. I have not asked you guys for a review or to subscribe to the podcast in like six or seven, nine million months. So I'm going to ask you guys for a review. If you guys are enjoying the show, please go to iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever you're listening to the show and give me a review. Send me all the love. And I hope you like it. And hopefully it's a good one. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to remind you guys to do that, but let's see what else, what else do I need to talk to you guys about? Um, I am taking new clients. I have been scheduling all the clarity calls, talking to so many of you amazing people. And I'm so excited to start working with you all in June for the quarter three of my one-on-one coaching program, Trauma to Triumph. Um, if you are new to the podcast, you can get more information about it in the show notes. So, all right, let's get back to it. So we're going to talk about co-regulation and self-regulation. I didn't put out a podcast episode last week because I had a brain fart and listen, life got the best of me. And mostly I was trying to find the best information for you guys because I really like coming to you guys with like all the knowledge, all the details. And I didn't, I just, I want to make sure I'm giving you guys the best stuff and I want you guys to like walk away from the show really being super smart and just having all the details and so I was going through all my books and reading a bunch of stuff and I found the best description of what co-regulation and self-regulation are and it was by and I'm not surprised it's by my lovely amazing wonderful friend Deb Dana okay she's not my friend but we're friends in in my in my in my brain and um she wrote this amazing book called let's see I'm looking at the book right now the polyvagal theory in therapy and I use it with my clients and it just offered a really, really, really great description of what self-regulation and co-regulation are. And so we're going to talk about, I'm basically going to read a lot of it. I will stop intermittently and kind of explain more or expand on any of her, um, on her writings, because some of it I think is a little heady and you're going to be like, what the F are you talking about? So I will stop and explain things where need be, but mostly Let's start off by talking about um, self-regulation. Basically, what that means, guys, is managing your emotions. When you get activated into a threat response, into a stress response, into a survival response, these are all the same thing, guys, or a trauma response. You will hear me call them all all the same things, okay? Threat response, trauma response, survival response, stress response. Basically, some there's an out there's a stressor that puts you into a neuroception of, of threat, and you got activated into one of those survival states, right? You're either yellow, sympathetic, fight or flight, and it's a very energized, mobilized state where you have to get that blood flowing to run away from the tiger, yeah? And then, or you get put into the dorsal state, the dorsal vagal state, which is an immobilized, energized state. And it's the state of shutdown and collapse and disconnection. And it is what a lot of people would call more of like a depressed 
state where you're just, you want to be lonely. You don't want to be around anybody. And, but it's very much a survival state. It seems like it's like, oh, I just want to hide under the blankets, but it's not that. It is a total survival response. And the, um, it just looks different. It's shut down. It's like the possum. I've talked about this before in maybe the past episode where, um, so it's one of the two states. Okay. And when you're in one of the two states, you want to be able to say, okay, I'm in a survival response. I'm in a stress response. I need to either upregulate to get me some ventral vagal green, right? Or <clears throat> downregulate and mobilize and then get some more green. So I'm going to explain what this means. I'm also going to have a handy dandy printout slash PDF to go along with this episode. And it's basically going to be a picture of the polyvagal ladder, which is what you climb up and climb down to regulate. You go up or you go down the ladder and you're either up, you go up to ventral vagal, you go down to sympathetic yellow energized and then down again to the dorsal state. So this is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about self-regulation. You have the skill to manage your emotions and, and bring in some energized energy to get up to some green ventral vagal safe and connected space. Or you're, if, you're mo- if you're really mobilized in that fight or flight, you down-regulate to calm down um, and get immobilized and then go back up the ladder to get some green in. So... That's basically what I'm talking about with um, self-regulation. Co-regulation is when you aren't really able to do that for yourself and you are you go um, with another nervous system. That sounded so weird. You go with another nervous system. You basically are around another nervous system and that helps you in some capacity to regulate your nervous system, to up-regulate or go in, you know, or down-regulate. So... What that can, but that can look like someone can help you co-regulate via a text or a hug or a look or a smell or anything, but I'm going to get into it with the book. Okay, guys. So I'm going to read, um, this is chapter six in this book and it's called the regulating resources map and it's such a good chapter and I'm, I'm working. Let's get to it. Okay. All right. So it starts off. I'm not in a comfortable position. Let me move a little bit, guys. (laughs) All right. All right. She says, we come into the world with a need to co-regulate to survive. Babies and their mothers engage each other in reciprocal regulation. A baby naturally turning toward their mother and their mother responding. Together, co-creating a physiological and psychological state. This interactive experience tones the baby's nervous system, calms it, okay, that's what tones means, beginning the creation of their individual neural profile. All that means we are born with the inability to self-regulate. I think I talked about it in the previous episode. We don't have the ability to self-regulate. We don't have the ability to calm ourselves down. All we know how to do is cry, and then mom or dad or caregiver or someone comes to our aid to either feed us or change us or put us to bed or change our diaper or whatever, right? And Or soothe us because we're crying because we're upset. And mom or caregiver, what they do by taking care of us, they teach our nervous system that 
someone else will take care of our needs, whether they'll soothe us in a way to, like, to calm us down, or when we're hungry, someone's going to give us food, or when we're lonely, someone comes and shows up. These are ways to co-regulate. Someone hugs you when you don't feel good. Someone sends you a text message. Some when you're hungry, you know you're you're someone feeds you. Um, when you're upset, you can talk to them and they talk back. Right? Moms do that with babies. This is called co-regulation. Let's say you come home from work and um, yeah, you're upset and your spouse gives you a big hug and lets you talk about it and you feel better just by them being there and they help you they help you bring your nervous system back down to calm right so basically what the beginning of this um, chapter describes is when you're born you don't have the ability to self-regulate but with a, a parent or a caregiver who shows up consistently they teach you the patterns of self-regulation okay when the expected and common moments of rupture happen, rupture means when you disconnect and you're not co-regulating anymore, okay? Um, a regulated and attuned mother notices, makes a repair, and the baby experiences safety in the interactive regulation. So let's say a baby is playing with their mom and they're playing peekaboo and you know cooing and cawing and just having fun together. And another child says, mom, I want a sandwich. And the baby now, when she was, they were attuning to the mom, the mom was attuning to them. They were paying attention to them. They were nice and happy. But when the mom gets called away to go make, you know, a sandwich for little boy, uh, the baby's like, oh, what happened? And there's, that's considered a rupture. And then the mom, the baby starts crying and the mom notices she's done with the sandwich. She comes back and takes care of the baby and what they're saying is she makes a repair and says oh baby come here i'm sorry i love you mommy's here right and the baby experiences safety and interactive regulation again so it feels safe when it's connected yeah an example of this oh that's basically what the the example was so she says an example of this is a mother who is playing with her baby and turns away to to interact with an older child the baby feels a loss of connection and signals distress vocalizes reaches out cries the mother recognizes her baby's dysregulation and returns her attention through her eye gaze and prosodic voice prosodic voice just means like happy oh baby what are you doing right that's prosody so this is how much I've, this is how many times i've read that book you guys at that example like i remember that example yes i love it um okay so uh it, they they she quotes a book it's just tronic and wreck demonstrated that moments of misattunement or interactive mismatch do not necessarily unfavorably impact attachment rather it is when ruptures happened and are not repaired that the baby begins to carry a negative expectation into future interactions so let's say the mom didn't go back and you know hug the baby and kiss the baby again after she went and made the toddler a sandwich um that's when it's not repaired again that's when the baby feels that that disconnection and doesn't feel safe so it's very much co-regulation is very much a consistent connection disconnection connection disconnection if there is a disconnection it's kind of explained to a baby and then they feel safe again 
um, if that's not done, if the rupture happens and there's no repair, that's when the baby ends up feeling like, oh, mom is, I'm not safe with mom. I can't plan, I can't count on her, right? So where was I? In the example above, if the mother doesn't recognize her baby's distress or she responds with anger to her baby's demand for connection, the necessary repair does not happen. If a mother is chronically dysregulated, aka traumatized, her ability to offer interactive regulation is affected. In other words, she won't be able to offer regulation because she's like all in, in her own shit, right? And, um, and her baby's and her ability to offer interactive regulation is affected and her baby's autonomic nervous system moves into protective mode and no longer seeking, no longer seeking the safety of co-regulation for this baby's survival now depends on self-regulation. So what this means is when a, a child has a parent or caregiver that isn't, isn't able like to repair the rupture of of co-regulation when the mom walks away and comes back or doesn't come back or she gets irritated by the baby like be quiet or gets angry the baby now looks at the parent as a fearful like a scary place and now they aren't going to rely on mom this happens enough times right and now they're not going to rely on mom to co-regulate they're going to say oh that's not safe i need to take care of myself i need to self-regulate Yeah. And it becomes more of like they turn into themselves, which means I need to protect myself instead of going out to connect and feeling safe with someone. The book goes on to say the ability for self-regulation should optimally be built on the foundation of interactive regulation. In other words, you should be able to learn how to self-regulate, how to manage your emotions by the example of a caregiver that does this first. I said, I think I, we talked about this and um, I, I shared this in the previous episode, maybe even the one before that. Our initial examples of regulation, of love, of attachment, of nurturing, of caring needs to come from a caregiver. If it hasn't happened that way, we don't learn how to do this for ourselves. It is so important for this to happen. If we aren't co-regulated with, we won't be able to self-regulate. And guys, think of like the times that I know as a parent, like when I read this chapter, I was like anxious. I was thinking, oh my gosh, how many times have I like been busy or been working and my kids like maybe come to me and they want to, they want to co-regulate, right? They want my attention. They want to hug, they want to kiss or they want something. And if I've been busy, I'm like, okay, I'll be right back. Let's, you know, mommy has to do this. Or if I'm not in a good mood where I, where I've yelled at a child or just things like that. And when I read this book, like I was freaking out. Like I remember the first time I read this, I was like, oh my God, I fucked my kids up. And listen, we've all done this, but Um, it's so important if you're a new parent, if you're pregnant and you're listening to this, if you don't have any children yet, take full like advantage of this information, um, because our ability to be there when our child needs us is so important because we are teaching them the foundational skills to manage their own emotions. So many of us don't know how to manage our own emotions because we had parents who were either traumatized themselves or if a parent is sick, or if we are born, if a baby is born, you guys, um, as a, like premature, or the baby was born and needing surgery right away, or they were they had an illness, the ability 
to co-regulate is is ruptured it's ruptured it's not it's not there they're not able to connect with a parent so if mom think about it if mom has postpartum no ability to co-regulate if mom's sick no ability to co-regulate if mom is dysregulated aka has lives in a traumatized state all the time because she has trauma very difficult for her to co-regulate yeah and so if she if the caregiver isn't attuned to their child if they're not physically able to with like a healthy nervous system to co-regulate with the child we are as children left to not having the ability to self-regulate not knowing how to regulate ourselves so this is so 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 important like okay i can end the episode now (laughs) that's all you need to know but I'm going to go on to read more. But this is like, the, if you if you listen to, if you want to walk away with anything, this is the, probably the most important part that I, that I want to offer you is we learn the ability to manage our emotions by having a caregiver that is there and present and doing it for us for the first, you know, 6, 12, 18 months of our life. If not, like, I mean, ideally forever, right? But the first 6, 12, 18 months are crucial. I'm even reading this other book that talks about the first two months, you guys. So, oh my gosh. I mean, when you're, when a baby's a newborn, obviously, like I remember being completely and utterly present for my baby, um, from all my, my babies, but, um, I have three daughters. So, I remember being really present for them. So thank God. But there's a lot of parents who aren't. If you if mothers are suffering from postpartum, I mean, they just literally have the inability. I know so many people that are, have been in that place. So, and and you know, and if a child was sick, even more of a reason, right? So remember that. I'm going to go on to read a little bit more. All right. The next part says. Um, a baby begins to learn to self-regulate from the interactive regulation in the attuned mother or baby dyad, basically like the caregiver and the baby. This ability to self-regulate continues to develop throughout childhood, supported by social engagement with autonomically regulated others. So it, it grows when you're in a safe space with people who connect with you and who are autonomically regulated aka not traumatized right they ha- they have the ability to regulate themselves the capacity to fully experience one's feelings particularly i hate i can never say that word particularly <laughs> when they are intense and or painful is greatly enhanced by being able to do so together with a supportive, empathic, and emotionally present other. I'm going to read that again. The capacity to fully experience one's feelings, so your own, particularly, particularly, oh my God, that is like the word of the year. I'm literally going to practice that word. When they are intense and or painful is greatly enhanced by being able to do so together with a supportive, empathic, and emotionally present other. That's so interesting. So you can do it a lot better when you're doing it with someone who's supportive, emotionally present, and empathic to you. Hmm. As the capacity for self-regulation increases, as you get older and you're more able to manage your own emotions, yeah, when reactions happen, regulation and recovery follows. So it's very easy to manage yourself and then recover, recover from it, yeah? When we are supported by a nervous system that can engage with both inner interactive and individual streams of regulation 
safe and flexible navigation of the experiences of daily living as possible. So when we're supported by another person that can engage with us, right? And, and with um, their own and with other people's emotions, if you can, right? And it's safe and it's flexible, then the experiences of daily living is possible. So in other words, it's going to be better and healthier and easier to live and um, and be able to regulate yourself when you're around other people who know how to regulate their, their own damn shit. Okay, that was, yeah, for sure. Research into social connection shows that a downward shows a downward trend in connection and a rise in isolation and loneliness. I'm gonna read that again. Research into social connection shows a downward trend into connection and a rise in isolation and loneliness. Hmm. Without reliable people to interact with, we turn into our self-regulatory skills and the opportunity for interactive regulation and creating autonomic well-being. Um, autonomic well-being through connection with others is lost so when we're not around people who we interact with um health in a healthy way we turn to ourselves to self-regulate yeah um and it says and the opportunity to interact for interactive regulation so like like me us me and you talking and um, feeling really happy with each other or feeling really safe with each other. Um, this helps, this should help you create your own well-being um, because you learn through other people's healthy attachments, healthy healthy self-esteem, healthy um, emotions. If you're around, in other words, if you're around a bunch of people who don't regulate the, their damn selves, you're just learning bad habits and it, and it teaches, it doesn't teach you healthy methods to self-regulate, Okay. When we feel lonely, we also feel unsafe. And loneliness activates the survival systems. Okay, yes, yes, ma'am. So think about when you're by yourself and you feel lonely, you feel loneliness, right? It will trigger your survival states because we are biologically created to connect with other people. So when we're, when we feel like there's no one there for us, when we feel completely lonely, when we feel um, just like there's like no one supportive, we go into survival states and it just puts us into either fight or flight. We're going to go look for someone to connect with, right? Or we're going to go into shutdown and, and it's going to put us in a survival. It's a, it's a threatened, um, threatened of life threat of life survival state okay um so yeah loneliness definitely activates survival system so i know for me because i have i had issues of abandonment and rejection from my parents when i wasn't in a relationship i would so quickly go into dorsal it was so it was so easy for me i, I talked about this in like polybagel theory 101 the one episode that i um the first episode about about polybagel theory and i shared how when, when i had a recent breakup I went dorsal and it was so hard for me to get out of it because, and this wasn't even a conscious thing. I wasn't thinking about the breakup all damn day. And as soon as I was done with work, I was like, like my body just went, you're alone. And it freaked the F out. So it really does. um, When we're connected, when we feel safe with people and we feel connected to people, we are in that ventral vagal state of social engagement. When we don't feel like we're connected, we feel disconnected from people, we go into one of the survival states and we either go into an energized fight or flight and we go looking for it or we go in total shutdown and we go into collapse. 
So it goes on to say through the social engagement system, we use our eyes. This is ventriloquial. We go, we use our eyes or when we're trying to connect with people, right? Um, We use our eyes, our voice and movement of our face and head to send and receive signals of safety to reach out for other connection for an offer connection. When we use devices for communication, the important nonverbal elements conveyed in the tone of voice or facial expression and the body language are often lost. As we rely more on online conversations or texting (laughs) to communicate, there are fewer opportunities to exercise our social engagement circuitry, aka the ventral vagal. So we don't feel as ventral vagally. Yes, I just said ventral vagally. I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna use that. I'm gonna start coining that term. <laughs> if we, um, if we um, don't have those cues of because that's a neuroception. We use those for neuroception. Remember, guys. So if someone's someone, the way someone looks at us, the way someone's voice tone is, the way um, someone smells, the way someone touches you, the way their face looks. If we don't have any of those cues and we're just reading text on a phone. You're going to come up with your own damn thought of how that was perceived. But hearing the tone of someone's voice, like on a phone conversation, can totally change whether you feel connected to someone or not, right? So true. Uh, Okay. A history of misattuned caregiving, aka when a parent isn't there to connect with the child, um, or a caregiver isn't there to, to connect with the child, and unrepaired relationship ruptures shape the autonomic nervous system toward protection and away from connection. Okay, so if you're constantly not repairing the ruptures of co-regulation, like if you're, you were connected to a parent or a caregiver, and it's constantly getting ruptured and not you're not going back to it, your nervous system gets shaped into protection and away from connection, aka. I turn it, I turn avoidant. I, I, I teach my, my nervous system learns that I need to rely on myself and I can't rely on other people to feel good. Mm. Right? So important. So think about the times that, you know, your parents were there or your caregivers were there or not there for you. And if there was a consistency of, of, n- rupture or non-repair in in your guys's relationship or if it was never even present mom and dad were working mom and dad were really dysregulated mom and dad were always you know if they were did drugs or they were alcoholics or some type of substance abuse or if they were ill and they couldn't connect with us because they had their own stuff going on it makes us more prone to not seek out people and just rely on ourselves but think about it. If you have to rely on yourself and you've never connected with your with your caregiver, you don't even know how to love. You don't know how to connect. You don't know how to nurture. You don't know how to feel warm and fuzzy with someone. You don't know how to play. You don't know how to read someone's facial cues. You don't know how to hear someone's tone. Like imagine being a baby that never has that connection. And so it's you've always, your autonomic, your nervous system basically says people are not safe. I, I've never been around them. I don't even know what that looks like or feels like. I need to just rely on myself. So you grow up believing that people aren't like, who, what? Like I need to have relationships. I don't even know what that feels like. Like I just rely on me and that's it. And you become what I believe to be the avoidant attachment style. And that will be another episode. Um, 
social isolation and the perception of social disconnection can lead to a lack of interactive resources. Yep. Both experiences become a story of aloneness. Yes, ma'am. A chronic neuroception of danger, right? When you're always seeing that everything's a threat um, or life threat is triggered in response to being in connection with others makes using interactive resources difficult. In other words, if you're, if you always believe that being with people is scary or like, it's just not safe, it makes it difficult for you to connect with other people. Just going to be really hard, right? And with the nervous system that dysregulates when social engagement is offered. So when you get when you go into a fight or flight state or you go dorsal or you go red, like disconnected, when someone wants to connect with you, um, you may likely, and it says a client will likely initially find interactive regulation too great of a neural challenge. So it'll be too much. Like say you think relationships are scary. They're bad. And someone wants to date you. You're like, uh, uh-uh, heck no, we ain't going to do that. That don't feel good. That feels scary. So it just, it's too much of a neural challenge, AKA you don't know how to handle it. It feels, it's too much. It, it's, it feels like too much of a threat. For some people, the first interactive regulation resource may simply be just sitting in a place where people are present, like a mall, a coffee shop, or a movie, and then feeling the presence of others from a safe distance. So if relationships are too much for you, maybe you can start off slow by right going to a mall, a coffee shop, and wearing your damn mask. <laughs> um, if you're listening to this in 2021. Um, or a movie and just feeling the presence around you of people and then you can start slowly with that. It then goes to say, when exploring resources to move from a dorsal vagal or sympathetic response, it is important to uh, it is important to remember the energy states involved in each. In dorsal vagal, which collapse, which is red, right all the way to the bottom of the ladder, the auto, your system has entered a state of conservation where there's not enough energy moving in the system to support regulation. So you're in a really shut down collapse. There's no, remember it's immobilized. So there's not a lot of energy there. Okay. To begin to recover, a gentle return of energy is needed. So you got to go up the ladder to get more, to get some yellow in there, some sympathetic. The resource can't bring too big of a shift. In other words, someone or whatever, when we say resources, I'm talking about like another person or something. A person can't bring too big of a shift in energy or it will feel dangerous to the person that was in dorsal vagal red, right? And then it pushes you, it pushes you out further into disconnection. You're like, oh, no, 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 I'm just going to stay over here and you're going to go deeper into red, shut down disconnection, right? In a state of sympathetic mobilization, if you're yellow, mobilize fight or flight, too much energy is flooding the system. To move from here, the resource needs to bring a way to safely discharge energy. So you need to go down the ladder. I hope like I hope that made sense, guys. And if you don't understand it, listen to, definitely listen to the episode called Polyvagal Theory, and then listen to Neuroception because I believe these two really describe the ladder really well. Um, all right. Some actions may be a resource for each of the autonomic states when utilized with just a slight difference. Movement is an example of this. Humans are built to move. Movement was essential to survive and is a fundamental resource for regulation. Through a polyvagal perspective, we understand that movement is a key of sympathetic activation, right? When you're yellow fight or flight, think the tiger's going to come get you. So you have to, you have, you have that energy 
in your system. Through a polyvagal perspective, we understand that movement is a key if, is a key feature of sympathetic activation, is missing in dorsal vagal collapse, and is a natural part of the ventral vagal state of connection. Um, as a resource to shift the immobilization of dorsal vagal red, right? Movements can be small or can even simply be sensed rather than enacted, bringing the motor cortex alive. In the sympathetic state, if you're yellow, the intensity of movement needs to be shaped. And in ventral vagal state movement, it can be savored. Using walking as an example, in the dorsal vagal, um, in dorsal vagal, the movement might be small, slow motion steps or imagined steps in a sympathetic, fast-paced run fast-paced run and in ventral vagal a refreshing restorative walk or hike so i think that's um, a pretty great explanation of self-regulation and co-regulation guys um i hope i did it justice um i think if you guys have any questions definitely reach out to me but um i love the way that she describes it i love the way she describes how when we're born we need we don't have the ability to manage our emotions we learn from our parents but if our parents are or caregivers aren't present or if they have dysregulated nervous systems if they're traumatized if they're sick or if they're always working or doing something then we don't learn it and and if you're a parent i mean take this like i think for i mean for me anyway i took it like as such a huge huge reminder of how it important it is to be present with with my children so that they have that safety and connection with me and they learn that they can when they need me they can come to me and they can co-regulate i always talk about how my daughters always want to sleep in bed with me um they want to co-regulate with me right they want to feel safe in bed um and they do sleep they do go to bed in their own bed but i always wake up to these little girls sleeping next to me which i think is so sweet so um Self-regulation is when you're managing your own emotions on your own. Co-regulation is when you're seeking it out with someone else when you're not feeling well and you can connect with other people. It may be difficult to feel like you can do this if it was never taught to you or if it was never um, expressed or shown to you with your caregiver. You may, If you find yourself that you're someone who doesn't feel comfortable being affectionate, doesn't feel comfortable saying that I love yous and 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 being childlike and fun and really uh, you know uh, playful or just connecting with other people Um, it's safe to assume that you're you weren't provided you know in your earlier stages of life with that co-regulation and or you could have had experiences where it was ruptured right maybe you 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 had experiences in relationships where now it makes you not feel safe um, to be close to someone and so now you're more in a protective state in a survival state. So I hope this helps guys. Um, next episode, I think I'm going to talk about the attachment styles, which I love to talk about. Uh, this was like all the polyvagal stuff and, oh wait, am I missing something? Hold on. Neuroception, co-regulation. No. Yeah. We've got all of that. So the next episode, um, we're definitely going to talk about attachment styles And, um, if you guys have any questions about this episode or anything that we talked about that I talked about, um, definitely reach out to me. I'm going to have a fun printout of the polyvagal ladder. If you, when you're listening to this, you have no idea what I'm talking about. And then I'll also share links to the polyvagal episode and the neuroception episode. Okay. So I will talk to you guys next week. Hope you have a good one. Bye-bye.